Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway to Hoover podcast, a production of SEC Extra and D1Baseball.com. I am your host, Joe Healy, joined, as always, by my podcast partner and my partner over at SEC Extra, Mark Etheridge. We are rolling on in our team preview podcast episodes. Today, we're going to talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks. But before we do that, I have to tell you, and I'm excited and proud to tell you, that the Highway to Hoover podcast will be brought to you all season by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. We're really thrilled about our partnership with Brock's Gap Brewing Company. Mark and I and the rest of the D1 team are excited to, to hang out there a little bit when we get down to the SEC tournament in May, and we're hoping to see some of you listeners and subscribers to SEC Extra at Brock's Gap Brewing Company when the SEC tournament comes around. We've got some exciting things to announce with them that we're, we're not quite ready to announce to the public yet, but stay tuned for that. But just know for now that they are the presenting sponsor of the Highway to Hoover podcast, and we are super pumped about that fact. Mark, let's talk about South Carolina, huh? It's a, a program that feels like it's ridden a little bit of a roller coaster through the years, yeah. right? It kind of alternates. It seems like it was there for a while, alternating super regional appearances with missing the postseason. And then somewhat similarly, they 2021, they host as a one seed um, mm-hmm. just because 2021 was a weird year with hosting and Old Dominion was a traveling one, which was a throwback to the old days of the field of 64 with traveling ones, unique set of circumstances there, but they lose in that regional. And then last year they missed the postseason. So a little bit of a roller coaster for South Carolina and he is as much as any program that I can think of in maybe there are other examples, but for me, it, it is the program lately that does seem to be from year to year, not quite exactly sure what you're going to get. Yeah. It's, it's either been right around the bubble where they were last year or right around bubble host. That's <laughs> really, that's where they are as a program at this point. And this year looks like bubble host. And certainly we'll get into that more, but a very talented team coming back, a lot of optimism heading into the season in Columbia. Yeah, I mean, that's a good segue to jumping into talking about this team. There, there, There is a lot of optimism here. We have them them ranked, and I think there were some eyebrows raised about that. And I think that's less because I think that's less because people are dubious about South Carolina's talent, although I'm sure there are some people who fall into that category. I think it's less of that, and I think it's more that there are so many teams in the SEC that could conceivably be ranked. We, we heard it from Auburn fans after the top 25 came out about not having Auburn ranked and not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I get it. Mississippi State fans, because last year went so poorly, were a little bit less vocal about it, but they were disappointed to not be given the benefit of the doubt that they would bounce back. And I think that's where a lot of it's coming from, people that were surprised um, to see South Carolina ranked. But as we get into it here, I think we'll be able to enumerate a little Mm -hmm. bit the reasons why we have some confidence in them. So Here's how this will work. I will do a quick rundown of the team's results from last season. Then Mark and I will talk about the things we like about this team, the questions we have about this team, and then we will wrap up by talking about the things that will have to happen for this team to be the best version of itself. South Carolina last season, 27 and 28, 13 and 17 in SEC play, which as Mark alluded to, that's going to put you right square on the bubble. Uh, every time. So that's the magic number is 13 to be right, right on the, so no postseason as it turned out. And this preseason, we have them ranked 23rd in the nation. And they're probably, I talked about Auburn, Mississippi state fans. If those two teams are probably, if we'd ranked to 30, those teams are probably involved. And it tells you with Alabama being, I think at 20, I don't have it here in front of me, South Carolina at 23, Auburn, Mississippi state in the top 30. That just tells you kind of that middle class of the sec, how bunched up that group really is. And, and, you talk about Mark, you've mentioned time and again on these podcasts, the margin 
being really thin in the SEC. And that's kind of what we're talking about there, where those four teams just right there bunched up so closely. And it feels like when we talk about host bubble or what have you, like that's going to be where a lot of that that bumping up into each other happens. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into what we like about this team. Mark, you're going to go ahead and uh, bat lead off for us. Yeah, it all starts with starting pitching. With Sanders, you have a legit ace. Right? You have a guy that can match up with all these other aces in the SEC, and that's so important every Thursday slash Friday night. Hall, Mahoney, those are high-level guys who can match up with the other top rotations that they're going to see. And then you have the freshman. Is it Jerzenbeck? Is that how, am I saying that right? Yeah, um, Jersey, Eli Jerzenbeck, yeah. Yeah, he's a, this is an elite talent, maybe one of the best freshmen in the conference. Certainly one of the most talented. When you have that kind of guy and you don't have to rush him because you've got those other three that are somewhat established in, in front of him. So if he's good enough, he pushes one of them out or you stack on or whatever Mark Kingston decides to do it. But it's a really great situation when you have four high-level rotation candidates to, to kick off the season. And in this conference, odds are going to have a guy miss a start. And to have that fourth guy to step into that, it's it, for me, it all starts with South Carolina on the mound and the starting pitching. I think it's 100% right. And I would build on that and say one other thing I like about it is that it feels like they have some versatility there. And part of that is, is Jerzenbeck where you're always going to be in a good position. You're always going to feel good about it. If you have a freshman who's talented like that, who you don't necessarily just have to throw in the rotation because it's, he's one of our three most talented arms. We have to use him in a high leverage spot. The fact that they don't have to do that, I think speaks volumes about the talent they have. And I think it's, is good for him to be able to, maybe just get his feet wet in, in a midweek role or whatever it is mm-hmm. and maybe work his way up into being a weekend guy. I wouldn't be shocked if by the time we get to May, if he is a weekend guy ultimately, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get there just because the talent is so good elsewhere. But like it's I mentioned, like it's also it in the midweek too. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's a versatile group too, where you've got Matthew Becker is a guy who can swing as a starter if you need him. He's also a guy you could use in long relief. His stuff is good enough. He could be a back-end guy. Jack Mahoney coming off of injury, but two years ago was excellent as a reliever and his stuff is really good and maybe is even better than before before his injury. He's a guy that could maybe do a lot of different things. Kate Austin at the back end is what I feel, but his numbers were pretty doggone good last year. They brought in Nick Proctor from Cal, a reliever who's a, a slider specialist. Like he's a funky guy who throws, just going to throw a ton of sliders at you. And he's a classic back end bullpen type that you can use in certain spots. And so it's, I think it's just a pretty, not a pretty good, it's a very talented pitching staff that I think has a lot of versatility. And I think this, it's the kind of deal where the lineup, and we'll get to that here shortly, the lineup doesn't have to be excellent, I think, to be good enough. I think this is a case where as long as South Carolina's pitching stays healthy, and they've already taken a little bit of a ding. They were This team was going to have Roman Kimball, a, a Notre Dame transfer, who's really talented, was a big recruit for Notre Dame going into last year, and he's out for the year. So they lost him already. And in South Carolina, this stuff is just coincidental, but has been snake bit in the past by pitcher injuries. That has been a thing they've dealt with at times. And so staying healthy as it is for every team is going to be key on the mound. But man, if this group stays healthy and just pitches up to their potential, it has a chance to be one of the best pitching staffs in the SEC, which by extension means the country. So exciting to see what they have there. Mark, what questions do you have? Yeah, I, will they hit enough? That's the first thing, right? They added some veteran transfers, Ellis, Denny, Brewer, Compton, who am I leaving out? Anyway, that will 
can these guys that are coming in who were successful in other places, can they adjust to the SEC and perform at this elite level? Sometimes you bring in older guys and maybe they're older means they're less talented because if they were more talented, they would have gone pro. Other times you bring in older guys and it's tougher at bats, right? Because they understand they've been through it. They have that experience to lean on. Which are we getting here? And I think that's what, that from a lineup standpoint, that's what I want to see from South Carolina because I do think with their pitching, if their offense is SEC average, which is pretty darn good usually, they're an Omaha type of team. Yeah, that's where my questions go to is that part of the lineup and just the, the full rundown there. It's Gavin Cassis probably at first base. Vanderbilt transfer didn't see a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt the last two years, but he's got big time power. Will McGillis. Second baseman from Southern Miss, played a lot of games at Southern Miss, has a lot of pop in his bat. Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts, who might be the best kind of just all-around hitter in that group. Started his career at Arkansas, transferred to Oral Roberts, had a lot of success there. Dylan Brewer from Clemson, another guy from pop in his bat. He'll play in the outfield. Jacob Compton from Memphis, first base outfield type, big power for him as well. Jonathan French, Clemson, former Clemson catcher. He's in the mix at catcher. He's not necessarily expected to be the full-time starter. They might rotate a few guys in and out at that position. But again, another guy, stop me if you've heard this, another guy with some pop in his bat. And the thing that, that you mentioned is right there because now some of those guys aren't necessarily transferring up. A Cassis coming from Vanderbilt, but he the challenge there is he's not played a ton. But most of those guys are transferring up or at least a good number of them. And even not even transferring up, just transferring somewhere else. We know the hit rate on those is is not a hundred percent. And so statistically speaking, some portion of those guys just aren't necessarily going to work out because it, you know, it would be a statistical anomaly if they did. And if they did, that'd be great for South Carolina, but chances are one or more of them is it's not going to go as well as they would hope. And so it really just comes down to, are we talking about half of those guys? Just one of them, like the difference in that lineup being best version of itself, a mediocre version of itself or struggling is just how many of those guys really pick up where they left off at their last stop, or in the case of a guy like Cassis, pick up where on their immense talent and really get going. That's where the kind of the differences there lie for what the South Carolina lineup will be. I have a feeling that kind of walks us up to our next thing, Mark. So go ahead and tell me a little bit about what you think needs to happen for this team to be as good as it could possibly. It starts with the offense. The offense has to produce and give the pitching a chance because I really think if the pitching, if it stays healthy, which with South Carolina, it's been a bugaboo of late. If this rotation stays healthy and stays effective all year with the upper level talent, this is, they don't really have a ceiling, right? This can be one of those kind of clubs on the mound. They need to come through offensively. And that's the thing. When you're trying to like Ole Miss did last year. When you're trying to figure it out and take that next step and take your program to a height that it hasn't been in recent years, you need those breaks and you need some good things to happen for you and you need to stay healthy and you need some guys that that maybe who, who have not done it before or haven't done it at this level, they, they, they've got to elevate. And I think for South Carolina to get where they want to go, I think that's the recipe. I think it's in classic improv fashion, I will take your point, agree with it and build on it. And yes, and style. I remember the lineup a couple of years ago, the one that was led by, by Wes Clark, who people remember as the big slugger in the middle of the order at its best. It was a pretty fearsome lineup, but it could get a little stagnant and it felt like they got very home run dependent. And 
I with so many of these transfers, their their primary tool being power. You, you talk about Cassis, even McGillis, he's a second baseman, but really the thing that he did best in Ole Miss or Ole Miss Southern Miss offensively was hit the ball out of the ball. But Caleb Denny's a little more dynamic, but certainly he hit plenty of home runs at Oral Roberts, Jacob Compton, and offensively Jonathan French. Power is his biggest tool. You're talking about a lot of guys that if they're going to be the most effective, as effective as possible for South Carolina, it's going to be hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And South Carolina does have a ballpark where you can win that way. That also can lead to situations where the offense does get stagnant if the ball just isn't leaving. And especially mm-hmm. if those guys do struggle with the move to SEC pitching or playing full-time or, or whatever their transition is. But I do think there does need to be a little bit of a happy medium achieved where this lineup needs to find a way to be able to score some runs other ways. And I, they've got a name we haven't mentioned is Braylon Wimmer who's moving to shortstop. And he's a guy who he can also hit with power, but he's a guy who's a little more athletic, can run a little bit. So is it a guy like like him who can be a catalyst in a little different way and help them? It's going to have to be more than just him, obviously, but he stands out as a guy who maybe can provide a little bit of a different dynamic in this offense because yes, the offense only needs to be about average, but it can be really frustrating if the offense is average, but it's entirely based on how many fastballs are we going to run into tonight that we can run out of the ballpark because that's going those are going to come and go i think i would like to see some dynamism in the south carolina lineup and not standing around waiting until the next guy connects and finds the barrel we'll obviously we'll obviously see i think this is one of the teams that i think is the most there's the most variance i think with this team more so than others in terms of expectations here because i i am so very confident in the pitching as long as it stays healthy and have a lot of questions about the offense and those can go a team like that can go either way so there's really feels like a a wide range of outcomes here for South Carolina and obviously we will see how that plays out on the field so that is going to do it for this edition of the highway to Hoover podcast presented by Brock's Gap Brewing Company If you've not already done so, head on over to d1baseball.com, click that SEC Extra tab at the top of the page, and if you've not already subscribed, Mark and I humbly ask that you give it some consideration. We're looking forward to bringing you SEC baseball coverage like never before, frankly, and that that seems lofty, but that's what we're striving for, is to give you guys as fans a level of coverage that you've not had in SEC baseball. Please consider subscribing if you haven't done so already. Again, d1baseball.com and click the SEC Extra tab at the top. Our SEC team preview podcast series will continue leading up to opening day, but we appreciate you listening to this episode on the South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll talk to you soon.